Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros, and I am your host today. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm always honored when someone finds time out of their busy day to spend with me because, you know, as I say, time is that one commodity that you just can't get back. Today we're going to talk, be talking about the window covering industry. Recently read an article that said the window covering market is expected to see a 4.42% growth in the next five years. The U.S. demand for window covering is forecast to be a total of $5.2 billion in 2021. And for those of you who are listening to this uh, recording, today is September the 7th of 2021. So we're real close to completing this year. But today my guest is Kelsey Stewart. Kelsey is the CEO and co-founder of Blooming Blinds, um, and he's been with them since the beginning, obviously, since he's a co-founder, right? Um, And his time has really been focused a lot on the marketing and the growth of the company. Uh, Blooming Blinds franchise is a mobile service that brings sales, installation, and repair to window coverings directly to the client. Please help me in welcoming Kelsey to the show. Kelsey, welcome to the show today. Good morning, Linda. Thank you for having me. Very, very appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Kelsey, I always love to introduce my audience to uh, industries that are represented in the franchise business model that maybe they didn't necessarily think were out there. Now, before we get started talking about Blooming Blinds, tell me a little bit about your background and tell me what drew you to creating Blooming Blinds? Well, I I certainly am not from the franchising space. Um, My my background really isn't isn't all that spectacular in the business world other than growing up in business. My parents have always been entrepreneurs. I, I grew up never seeing a nine to five job in my house. They always, parents always had their own business. So business operations and ownership was always kind of in our blood. But my, my prior experience was very small business. You know, the, the true mom and pop, you know, at the cash register every day kind of scenario. Um, when, when I was in high school and college, uh, my mom started the first version of Bloom and Blinds. It was called Blind Ambitions out of Seattle, Texas, or Seattle, Washington. Um, but she she started this blind company, really kind of on a whim or on just like a you know, hey, let's do something, um, and ran that through the duration of high school and college. Um, and then as as I started to kind of sputter out of college, I didn't finish. Um, I, I ended up kind of jumping in with her and trying my hand at it. Didn't have the patience as a young 22-year-old, and um, and then I ended up just spending my time in restaurants, bartending and, and waiting tables. Fast forward a couple years, mom ended up selling her company in Seattle, um, and after a divorce, moved to the Dallas market and restarted a blind company, Blumen Blinds. And so... Um, same concept, same same differentiation of being sales, install, and repair. Uh, most of the industry only does sales and install, so the repair is a unique element. Uh, but she started that up all by herself and very quickly began to, uh, I don't know, uh, get busy, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and within a couple of years, both myself and my two brothers were working with her full time. So it was just mm-hmm. mom and her boys. And mm-hmm. and it really it was it was you know hey do you want to run a business with mom or do you want to go work in a restaurant with someone else that was my right. first initial 
you know, uh, motivation was just so I didn't have to work for someone else per se. Um, it's <laughs> turned, it's, hoping mom it's turned would into much more than what we're Black, huh? Hoping mom yeah, would a bit more freedom there. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and honestly, the potential was great. I mean, uh, coming from small little Northwest Washington to the Dallas metropolitan area where there's just a sea of homes, being in a home service business, like my, my eyes kind of rolled back in my head like little like a little slot machine, the, the potential here was so much greater. And so um, being the ambitious one that I am, I thought, you know, if we can, if we can make this work, this could really become something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 18 years later, it, it was. I mean, we, we built it up into a $3 million a year family business. So Kelsey, uh, even before, tell me a even before we bit. franchised. So tell me just a little bit, Kelsey, at what point – because there are a lot of independent businesses out there. There are a lot of family-owned businesses out there. At what point did you look around and say, hey, guys, do you think this is franchisable? Well, it, it actually started – well, the, the, the idea of how do we scale it was always on my mind. I'm, I'm the oldest of the three boys. I'm the, you know, the most hourly ambitious of them all. And so I'm never, I'm not really good at being content with good enough. Mm-hmm. And so I, I watched my parents at the cash register. And I, I think like most small businesses, if you don't go to work today, you don't make any money. And I knew that once we started to build something, that I wanted something more than that because I didn't want to be trapped at the cash register. I didn't want to be enslaved to it. And so I always was looking for ways to expand and grow. And ultimately, what we saw were two paths. You either build company stores, where we're in Dallas, and we go open one in Austin, and we go open one in Oklahoma City, and we open one in Phoenix. But we saw that as a fracturing of the family. We thought that Mm -hmm. we'd have to split up the family, send one brother to each city, that kind of thing. And then after a while, you're out of brothers. Um, or, (laughs) Or franchising. Where you know the challenge there is you, you there's a lot more systems and 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 processes that have to be built, maybe that most small businesses don't naturally have. It takes a, a larger amount of money to get it going, and the real struggle for any entrepreneur is giving up the control. Mm-hmm. You have to let other people run your baby and trust them to do it right, mm-hmm. um, which is the hardest part of franchising, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it was how do we we have a good idea, it's working. How do we build it so that we don't have to do it every day? And the only of the only, of those two paths, the only one that really answered that was the franchising model. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we set off into franchising without having any idea what franchising was, without knowing the legal constraints, the paperwork, the process. We thought we were just going to give people a shirt that said "Blue and Blinds" on it and wish them luck. I mean, for, <laughs> that was a, that was about as naive as we were. And We've grown up a bit since then, but that that is honestly the limit of our understanding when we chose this path. Yeah. You know, Kelsey, what a lot of people don't really understand is it is a huge feat to become a franchisor and to know all the rules and regulations and the laws for every single state. That's that's something within itself to know, are there certifications? Is there bonding required? Whatever the requirements are to be a franchisor in every state is, it varies from time to time um, per state. So once you decided to do that, how long did it take you uh, to actually put everything in place so that you were ready to open your doors as a franchisor? The, the the in-depth investigation to, hey, do we want to do this? Is this the path we're going to go to the point where it said, okay, now I know what I'm going to do and let's go do it. That initial investigation was sporadic over two years. But it was, it was two years of intentional looking around, trying to figure out how do we turn this business into a franchise. Um, once we picked a company that was going to help us with the paperwork and the legal side, um, it took about six months with, with interaction for them. Um, to the point where we were legally registered to sell franchises. And then it took six months to actually award the first franchise territory. Mm-hmm. And then it started to roll. But you've got to find that guinea pig. You know, you mm-hmm. need the first one to give it a try. Um, and we've been very fortunate since then. 
But and how uh, long it, it, how long have you been franchising? Us. Yeah, it is. How long have we, you been franchising? Uh, we just crossed over six years. Okay. okay. Yeah, and we've got 66 territories on the ground right now. That's amazing. That is amazing, Kelsey. That's great. Congratulations in that. Is there something that, uh, as you know, you kind of alluded to earlier that your role as a franchisor certainly is very different than having company stores. Is there something that at the end of the day as a franchisor you go, man, I'm so glad we did this? Oh, yeah. Well, Ultimately, we're very happy with our, our current path. There's no doubt. Um, franchising is great uh, because it really allows you to, you know, you create this business and this brand, if you will. Hopefully, you build a brand. That's a great mm-hmm. way to stay stay successful. But to see it spread and to see it grow and develop uh, is really personally fulfilling. And then mm-hmm. you get the altruistic, you know, the, the, the goodwill of seeing other people use it to satisfy their hopes and desires. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the business of franchising is so different than whatever it is you did before you franchised your business. I, I mm-hmm. like to make the joke. It's like it's not apples and oranges. It's apples and orangutans. Mm-hmm. Like there's, yeah. you know, I, w- I was a blind guy who was in house houses selling and installing blinds, and then I opened a franchise, and they have nothing in common. Mm-hmm. They are two independent industries that there's no, you know, there's very little intersection. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of fun to challenge yourself too, because by the time you franchise a business, you're probably pretty good at it, yeah. and there's probably some monotony or you know boredom that comes with it. And if you're an ambitious entrepreneur who builds businesses for fun, learning something new and going through those challenges, that part's a lot of fun too. Um, and if you build a successful franchise, uh, everyone is financially better off. Mm-hmm. It's really good to know that your franchisees are, are doing well and are being taken care of. And then it's really great to see that uh, come back all the way full circle to the franchise. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. A lot of work. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to get there, though. Yeah, definitely. It certainly takes a, a strong leadership team. So, Kelsey, before we get started on what that franchise opportunity looks like, um, tell me a little bit about the services that Bloom and Blinds offers. You mentioned the repair that a lot of others don't offer, but talk to me a little bit about what does that look like? Does someone come go out as more of a consultant or a designer? I think we're, we certainly fulfill those roles, but we do a lot more too. Um, so our particular model is primarily a home-based business. We don't have showrooms. I think the, the era of bring it to me is, is so prevalent that we try and focus mm-hmm. on bringing everything to the customer versus mm-hmm. paying for a place for them to bring it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and our franchise owners typically are uh, operators within the business. So we have a handful of semi-absentee owners or people who treat it as an investment and hire people to do it. But the bulk of our owners are those that are actually, you know, in there on the boots on the ground, if you will. Um, and so core services we provide would be the consultation. We'll, we'll call that sales. Um, the installation of the products that we sell. And then the repair of products that we didn't. And that's part of what makes us unique is that we're the only company in the U.S. that actively embraces, uh, that is trained and equipped to fix a blind or any window covering product, even if we didn't put it in. Mm -hmm. So if your dog Mm -hmm. bites one or a string wears out or a plastic piece breaks, Bloom and Blinds is set up to go fix it, even if we don't know where it came from. We have the abilities and and the training to do that. Franchise owners can add blind cleaning or window washing as a potential revenue source as well. Mm. Um, We also have exterior roller shades, so like a shade that would go on a patio or a pergola, Um, and then we have drapery as well. So these Mm. are all potential revenue streams. The sales, install, and repair required, everything else is franchise owner's discretion. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it is a consultative process. We do go to the customer's house, try and listen to their needs, evaluate what they're looking for, and then help you know, provide solutions for that and teach mm-hmm. them about the products while we're doing it. And so you focus mainly on residential homes, is that correct? The residential market? Uh, that's where the bulk of our business comes from, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say we focus on it. We're not limited to it. The products that go inside a commercial building are the exact same products that go into a residential home. Mm-hmm. It's just that the marketing and getting to the residential customer is so much easier than the commercial ones. Commercial sure. is really built on um, relationships where mm-hmm. a residential path is much more based on marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I would say we're probably about 90% residential, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. we do have the capability and have prior experience of doing some really large projects. Sure. So, Kelsey, now that we kind of have an idea of the services that Women Blinds offers, let's, let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about what that franchise opportunity looks like. So are you looking, uh, as a, fr- a prospective franchisee, are you looking for someone who has de- design experience? Not necessary. Uh, not necessarily. Really what we need, what we've come to learn as a franchisee or as a, what we're looking for in a franchise owner is a communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, window coverings are a bit more technical, so you do need the ability to juggle little details, uh, be you know at least proficient in math, because we use math quite a bit, and, um, and a bit handy. I mean, we're, we're dealing with you know, cordless drills, not heavy-duty mm-hmm. machinery. Mm-hmm. But what we need more than anything is someone who loves to teach, someone who loves to share information, because that is one of the core differentiators on how we go about this business versus how the industry generally handles it. So your designers or your um, decorators, um, most of them are going to come in and wow you with how pretty and how beautiful it's going to look, and, and they're really focused on the aesthetics of it. We tend to focus on more of the utilitarian needs and how these products, um, how they solve problems or um, match goals. So we, are, we focus on the functionality. Do you need the room dark? Okay, how dark? And here's a handful of products that do that well. Um, so we are more of a goal-based solution. And so it requires that we teach people about these products and how they're going to interact with their house and their goals before they make the purchase. So it sounds like so, you help them in making those right decisions about the actual product, and then you go on to making sure everything matches. Yes, the color is actually the last thing we talk about. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the functionality. It's what is the right. – because window coverings, nobody shops for window coverings on a Saturday because they're bored. Mm-hmm. Window coverings are, are need-based products and, and decisions. Mm-hmm. I need it to look pretty. That could be an option. I need mm-hmm. to control the temperature. I need my kid to go to sleep on a, on a summer night, so I need this room dark. Yeah. Um, you know, some, there's some underlying need, and we have learned to identify that need because p- different products satisfy that need better than others. And if that's the core driver as to why you called us, Let's focus on the need before we worry about the color. Absolutely. Very good strategy there. Yeah, that takes a presenter. That takes someone who likes sharing information because it's not about color. If it was, we could just match the color of the wall and move on. Right, right, exactly. So, Kelsey, when you're – so say I've decided, okay, I want to move forward with Blooming Blinds. I don't have any um, decorating experience. What kind of training – could I expect to get to make sure that I have the knowledge to go out and do that educating? Yeah, you bet. So uh, new franchise owners uh, come here to Dallas and we work through a two-week training course. It's an intensive class. Like anyone who's listening to this and thinks that this is a vacation two weeks, probably not the right way to handle it. Um, there's a, you're learning a new language. Uh, I like to make the joke that it's like trying to learn Portuguese in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we're done with training, we will have covered the sales process or the consultation process and how to identify those needs and, and the kind of conversations that we need to have. We will have learned 
or got early exposure to the products that we use and their pros and cons and how they facilitate with goals. Uh, we'll have gone through the installation of all those products and the repair of all those products. So it's very tactile, very hands-on kind of training. Um, we also will talk about software and business systems and marketing, but the bulk of the training initially is how to do the job, not necessarily how to build the business. Mm -hmm. The two weeks training is not, it's not the end of our support, not by any means. So how to build the business comes once you've gotten good at the job walk before you run. Um, there's additional support through the manufacturers that we partner with, whether it be through sales reps or online videos. Um, so there, there are third-party you know, invested support tools, but the bulk of it is going to be the, the training is, is definitely the two weeks here in Dallas and then that ongoing support once you're up and running. Um, mm -hmm. But we, we, do, we focus on the job. And then over time, then we will help you build the business. Mm -hmm. But I, so, have, I have, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say, we have people from yeah. all walks of life. Uh, mm -hmm. Nobody has been a, like, we don't have any franchise owners that used to be window treatment people or designers. Mm -hmm. None of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just not, that's not something that's necessary because of the training that you do. Um, you know, one of the things I also believe, Kelsey, is that a lot of people are looking for that home-based business, and they don't want uh, a brick and mortar. They really don't even want um, a, um, an industrial space somewhere that they have to show up to every day. Uh, I believe the pandemic has kind of spoiled many, many people, and they really like working from home. So, once someone has decided to move forward with you, what, how do you help them to launch the territory? And what size is the territory that you award? The size of the territory is easy to define. Uh, it's 40,000 owner-occupied households with a household income of 60,000 or greater. Okay. So we're, we're focused on owner-occupied because renters aren't going to spend any money on window treatments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we put emphasis on uh, above a certain financial threshold because if somebody's worried about groceries, they're not buying window treatments. Right. So we try and make sure that we have a ton of viable, financially qualified individuals in the territory, 40,000 mm -hmm. households, not individuals, households. Right, right. Right. So big, generally oversized territories relative to the franchise industry. Um, I would rather have a whole bunch of friends. I'd rather have a handful of friends that are making really good money than a thousand franchise owners cannibalizing each other. Sure. That doesn't sure. sound like fun to me. Right. So territories are pretty big. Um, once the franchise agreement is signed, we typically have at least a month, if not more, before they come into training. And at that point, we're walking through the infrastructure side of things, how to uh, form the business and the DBA, how to get your resale certificate, how to get your business checking and your EIN, and all of these little structural pieces. We try and make sure that those are all done prior to getting to training. Uh, once we go through the two-week training, by then, their Bloom and Blinds website's already been built, so we manage all of that. Um, we begin with SEO work. And then the marketing that we do, the bulk of it's digital. And so we have a third-party company that runs all the digital media for all of our franchise owners. And they're using artificial intelligence to track the, the life cycle of our leads and the effectiveness of them. So they're able to see, basically, if you have, if you have two ads and one generates a $100 average and the other one generates a $1,000 average, the artificial intelligence knows to move the marketing to the ads that are performing better. Mm. And so that's all set up and automated. Franchise owners really don't have to do anything on the marketing side other than create a budget. Mm -hmm. And then, then the phone starts ringing and they go off and they start doing the jobs. So we have, we have tried to automate as much of the onboarding, launching the business uh, as possible and the parts that we can't automate we're holding their hand and literally walking them through step by step. Starting a new business is difficult. Not everyone's done it before. And that's really part of the value of a franchise is this concept that 
I've got a guy. Like I, I know somebody. I don't have yeah. to figure this out on my own. I've got mm-hmm. someone to lead me through it. So mm-hmm. we've taken great responsibility in making sure that someone who trusts us with that role is getting everything that they thought they should. Mm-hmm. Most um, definitely. Yeah. So the, yeah. Yeah. So the, the franchise owners really just kind of have to ride along or or manage some task-oriented things, but they don't have to mm-hmm. figure out what the tasks are. They just have to do them. Mm-hmm. And Kelsey, once um, once a franchisee opens up a specific territory, do you also encourage them to get out into the community by networking? And you know, how do you help them with that as well? As I mentioned before, window coverings are a need-based item. Mm-hmm. So one of the benefits of this particular in- industry is that we don't have to do a lot of cold calling. Mm-hmm. All, all of our all of our business is going to come from either some sort of marketing presence, whether it be digital or, or physical, um, relationships, which would be that networking side that you're talking about, and repeat and referral business. Mm-hmm. And all of our business falls into one of those three buckets, really. Sure. So the the marketing side, relatively automated, don't really have to do much there. The relationship side, absolutely, I love that. But you're building relationships, not buying them, and you're not, you know, treating it like a cold calling used car salesman. You're right. you're trying to build legitimate relationships, right. and then the repeat and referral show up because you did what you promised to do. Right. So right. most right. of our franchise owners do a little bit of it. It depends on their personality and how comfortable they are with it, mm-hmm. but it's not required to get the business up and running. We're not relying mm-hmm. on relationships to start the business. It's like the icing on the cupcake. That's nice. That's nice. It certainly gets uh, – the work that you're doing certainly gets their business primed so that they have business coming in. And sometimes after someone has been had their own business for a while, they're more comfortable talking about it, and then the networking comes a little easier instead of trying to depend on the networking from the beginning. Sometimes they're, it's, it's, it's a little awkward for some folks to get out and networking from day one. So i tell you what, Kelsey, right. I need to take a quick commercial break, but I would love to hear some stories. Um, my audience, they love stories about um, maybe someone that has been a franchisee uh, or maybe one of your customers that you've worked with. So do you have any um, stories you could share w- with us when we come back? Sure. I'll be happy to do that. Wonderful. Folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we will be back with more from Kelsey Stewart of Blooming Blinds. Ready to update your tired old kitchen or bathroom? Then you need to call Gambone's Custom Home Improvements. Gambone's does all phases of remodeling, specializing in kitchen and bath remodels. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements is a company you can trust. Family owned and operated with an A-plus rating with a BBB. Call Gambone's today, 832-437-8898, or check them out on the web at GamboneCHI.com. That's GamboneCHI.com. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements, where you will get quality work at a quality price. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here, and we are talking about window, the window covering industry with Kelsey Stewart, the co-founder of Bloomin' Blinds. So Kelsey, when we broke for commercial break, you said that you have some stories that you could share with us. 
Yeah, I thought uh, the first one would be relative because it's it's right around the corner. Um, our our birthday, Bloom and Blind's birthday, is 9/11, the morning wow. of. Wow. Um, right. So uh, in what are we four days? So yes, so four days from now. Um, we're going to have a very quiet birthday party because everyone's focus is on where it should be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, it, it becomes our 20th birthday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the morning, the morning of 9/11, um, my by that time my mom had already sold her business in Seattle, the first version of this business, moved down to Dallas, and was now incorporating Bloom and Blinds as a new operation. And so um, that morning we filed the paperwork with the state for the formation of Bloom and Blinds. Uh, this, again, was just our family business. We weren't a franchise at the time. And then an hour and a half later, the towers got hit. Yeah. So it's, um, it's always kind of bittersweet. It's like the kid that, gets, mm-hmm. you know, that has the same birthday as Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to remember when your birthday is, but it's always overshadowed by something more significant. But it was an interesting ride trying to build a business in the economic wake of 9/11, and we've always been a little bit different in the fact that we had repair as part of our part of our business model. I mentioned it earlier: 99% of all companies, all window covering companies, only sell new product. That repair mm-hmm. element is really something that's unique to us, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was a very nervous time for everybody. And so we we really kind of got our launch from this repair aspect because you had, you had dozens and hundreds and thousands of blinds that were broken and people had just lived with it. But now all of a sudden everyone was a little bit nervous after the towers got hit and getting those blinds fixed so you can control them or, um, you know, rotate them open and close properly. The security aspect of it really just began to drive the early part of our business. Mm-hmm. And while most... You know- and, you know, Kelsey, I just want to remind everyone, I, I was actually in Dallas on 9-11, and I worked at J.P. Morgan Chase downtown, and I watched that on our, our televisions in, the, in, our, um, in one of our stock market rooms. And, I can re- and we left early. Within minutes, everyone packed up and left. Um, and I want people to know that maybe not every city was hit exactly the same way, but Dallas was hit very hard economically. And there were people who had beautiful homes, and they had to walk away from those homes. Jobs were very hard to find. And if you found those jobs, you weren't going to get paid what you were paid before. So I just wanted to set that up, Kelsey, because it was a tough time, and maybe other parts of the country weren't hit quite exactly the same way Dallas was, but um, because the, the, um, the industry in Dallas was really built a lot around the technology industry, uh, the growth in Dallas was built around that technology industry, and technology was hit really hard then. So I can see where this would have been a really tough time for you guys to launch and how it could have been a very nervous time for y'all. But it sounds like you pulled through it tremendously. Yeah, we well, it would have been a nervous time had the phone not started ringing. I mean, yeah. that really... And, and, and as a brand new, you know, brand new business, you're nervous about it anyways. But then, you know, within a couple of days, uh, what we saw was a, a like a fear-based driver where people said, look, I need to get this fixed because I need to control my environment. I don't know if yeah. there's a need for control or safety or, you know, things like that. But there was definitely an element that said, hey, I, I need to get this fixed for my own safety. Yeah. And it, while I, while we had developed relationships in Dallas of people who owned window covering companies, the bulk of the buying decisions and and the wake of that recession that followed, nobody was spending money on new stuff. They went into a maintenance mode. And so they were taking care of what they had versus buying new. And as a company who repairs blinds, it was really like this early foothold 
on how the business kind of got up and got and and got going and started building the customer base. Yeah, yeah. And it, so it's really always an interesting time when 9/11 rolls around because it's such a horrific event, but it's your yeah. birthday, and and at yeah. the same time, that that horrible financial scenario, yeah. because we just happen to have the right model, is what really kind of got us going. As other, you know, it it, it helped balance the supply curve in our favor. Mm-hmm. Now, Kelsey, did so you see the same story. sort of thing happen during the pandemic that people were uh, taking care of what they had uh, because they were sitting at home looking at maybe something that either needed to be repaired or replaced? Did, were you impacted the same way? Um, we were impacted positively, but not in the same way. Mm-hmm. So when the pandemic hit, again, there was this moment of, you know, freak out and, and April was down. So March is when it hit. April was down about 22%, but then May, June, July. And ever since then, it's just been a, a meteor rocket ship. And so the nerves went away when the phone you know keeps ringing. But I think yeah. the difference here was um, we've already been in a hot economy for gosh, I mean, almost a decade now. And then everyone got sent home. They didn't lose their pay. And well, if you think about who our customers are or the, the financial demographics of people who, who buy window coverings, they're not – generally, most of our customers still had their job. They were just now working from home. Right. It's the guys at the movie theater who took your ticket. Those guys are out of work. But the mm-hmm. account executive who works for J.P. Morgan Chase, he was still getting a paycheck. He's, or they were still getting a paycheck. They're just now at home, and now mm-hmm. they have time and attention to do projects. So mm-hmm. our sales jumped through the roof mm-hmm. because our clients were now stuck at home. They needed to do something to feel normal, and they had more disposable income because they weren't paying for travel and summer camps and you know, like all the vacations and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we finished 2020 was 44% over 2019. 2021 wow. is currently... 2021 is currently 100% more than 2020. Wow. Wow. So we have been one of the fortunate few in the pandemic spending cycle where anyone in a home improvement category, I don't care if you're doing gutters or fences or garages or blinds, anyone in the home service category has had uh, an incredible run. Mm -hmm. So they didn't go into a maintenance mode. They did spend but it wasn't on maintenance. It was on new. It's like if a blind breaks, they just go buy a new house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and, and that's great story, Kelsey. Do you have any stories about a franchisee that you have? Yeah, one of my favorites kind of articulates the struggle that most people considering a franchise go through, and it's that safety and security of a job and that regular paycheck versus the unknown horizons of a, of a new business. And so I, I'd been working with this candidate for quite a while, and this is back when I still do uh, this. Uh, I was doing all the, um, all the development, all the sales, if you will, for the franchise. And so I've been talking to this guy for a couple months. Um, he had been laid off from Microsoft. And so in that layoff, he then started exploring franchising. And we started getting really close to the end, and he said, you know, I, I think this is the way I want to go. And so we began to talk about how to, how to get in there, like what are the final steps. And so we're in the middle of this accelerated conversation, and all of a sudden he disappears for about a week. Mm-hmm. not returning my calls, my emails, and he resurfaces a week later. And he said, hey, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. You know, I got flown out to Nashville for an interview, and there's this, there's this company, and they want to bring me on. And so I think I need to side, I, I think I need to step away from this. I think I prefer, and his words were, I prefer the safety and security of the yep. paycheck. Yep. And so I, I said, okay, you know, like if, if something else changes, let me know. But ultimately you got to take care of your family. Two days later, called me back up and says, hey, Kelsey, we need to keep this going. That entire department just got laid off. Oh, my goodness. And I always thought that that was a really interesting, like, real-life example of the yeah. artificial security that is implied through a job. My yeah. grandfather used to say, never take a job from someone because they can take it back. Yeah. And I, I always thought that was, you know, sage advice. 
but it's you know our, our entire economy and society is built on this idea that if you go get a job you're safe mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. no the only way to truly be safe is to be self-sufficient and yeah. um, that that's a story that every franchise owner in any industry has to wrestle with because mm -hmm. it's um, do I do I take this security blanket that's not really mine I just get to borrow it as long as someone lets me have it uh, or do I do I do my own thing? I, I like to summarize this with an analogy. It's one of my favorite analogies I have, and it's the story of two lions. And I, I believe there's enough room in the world for both kinds of lions. But there is the lion that lives in the zoo. He's got three meals a day. He's got a roof over his head when it rains. He's got people to look at him, and, and he's got doctors to take care of him. But he has to give up his lionhood to get the safety and security he has to agree to live inside the cage mm -hmm. and then there are the other lions there's these lions that live out on the pride and they face famine and death and threats but they also have the opportunity for chasing their dreams and the glory and the, the, the victory that comes with um, the kill if you will and there's room in the world for both kinds of lions but if you try and swap their places if you try and move them into the other's environment, they would both suffocate or, or go, they'd be both very unhappy. And I think it's important for business or for people who aspire to be a business owner to try and identify what kind of lion are you? Are you a lion that likes the security of the three meals a day and a roof over your head? Or are you the kind of lion that wants to bet on your abilities and is willing to face failure for the glory of what could be? Mm. Kelsey, that's an, that's an amazing story. I love that um, because it's so, it, it describes so perfectly um, the difference between having a corporate position and having a, owning your own business. And neither are wrong. It, that's right. It is just, you know, I, I say not everyone is cut out to be a business owner. And that's okay. There is nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. That is perfectly okay. But after spending 30 years in corporate banking, there did come a day. Just because I was cut out for that corporate position early on, that doesn't mean that it has to be that way forever. Because there came a day for me, Kelsey, that at the end of the day, I felt less than fulfilled. I did my job well, I got the promotions, I got the bonuses, I got all of that, but still at the end of the day, there was still something missing. And there may be somebody out there listening right now that feels that, yeah, I'm doing a great job, but what's missing? And I think you just described it beautifully in that story. So I am sure that you have those conversations with uh, those that are have a corporate career and they are struggling, but I can I can relate to the guy that was going out to Nashville because one day they're building the department and the next day a new hierarchy comes in and the new boss says you know I don't think we need this department at all and at the flick of a switch it's all gone and right. that's so a much big, for safety and security big, absolutely. That, and so when people talk about having um, that safety net of having that check direct deposited the 1st and the 15th, it's not really a safety net because there's holes in it, isn't it? It's an implied security. It's a, it's a false narrative that they use to keep people in check. It's, yeah. I mean, I call it the golden handcuffs. Mm -hmm. They pay you enough that it hurts too much to leave. Mm -hmm. Oh, most definitely. You know, Kelsey, we're getting down close to the end of the show. If someone's listening and maybe they want to know more about the services that Bloom and Blinds offers, or maybe better yet, they want to know more about that franchise opportunity. How would they find out more information? I think in both categories, whether you're a retail customer or a franchise inquiry, um, I'd start everything at bloomandblinds.com. It's like blooming, but no G, B-L-O-O-M-I-N, blinds.com. Um, that's going to take you to the consumer site, but right there at the top in the footer and the, and the header, 
are links to our franchise-specific page, bloomandblinds.com slash franchising. Um, and both sites are meant to be an educational resource. And so there's, you know, an hour, two hours worth of information if you really wanted to dig through every page. Yeah. But that'll give you contact info. It'll give you forms to fill out if you chose to go that route. And ultimately, it helps you do your early education while nobody's watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. And you don't have to pick up the phone and talk to anyone. Right. So that's, yep. that's great. So we're down to those final three questions. And the first one is, if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? I think um, a bit of that, which kind of lion are you, is probably mm -hmm. one of my first questions and suggestions. Yep. It's, it's, a gut, it's a gut check. Do you, do you have the fortitude and the desire to make it past the emotional high of starting a business? Because when you start a business, you're going to have an emotional excitement, and then you're going to jump into the grinding of building a business. And then after you do that and do it well, then you get the elation of the growth of the yeah. company. But there's, there's an undulation here, and do you have the fortitude and the passion to get past that? Yeah, most And it definitely. helps to know it's coming, but you, you never really know what it feels like until you go through it. Yeah, everyone so has that, that moment where they say, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it could happen, and that may be a long stretch. Yeah. But one of the keys to any success, I know it doesn't matter if you're a pole vaulter or a business owner, is – tenacity, consistency, duration of time going through it. Like the, if you want to be great at something, you have to do it through that rough spot. Yeah, most definitely. So, 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 so you're, you're so setting me check. up for my next question here, and that is what are two traits that make that successful franchisee? So you, you just answered a little bit about that, but can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, and is that relative to just Bloom and Blinds, or is that just franchising in general? Franchising in general, yeah. Okay. Um, I, tenacity might be my favorite word in the English language. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the passion, the desire, the I'm going to go get it even if there's roadblocks in my way. Um, yeah. I think that's true for – it's actually probably easier as a franchise because a lot of the roadmap has already been laid down for you. It's harder as, as an independent. So I think tenacity is a real big deal. Um, no one likes to talk about it, but you got to have your money right. Yeah. Like these things, like starting a business is a financial commitment, and generally you're putting the money out before it comes back to you. And so you have to be in a position where you can weather the financial storm of the startup. And some yeah. businesses are more expensive than others, and some take longer to get your return than others. You've mm -hmm. got to check that out among, you know, on your own. But mm -hmm. you've got to have your money right. If you're underfunded, you are learning how to swim with an anchor around your waist. Yeah, and you're struggling with an additional level of stress on how do I make my house payment that it, it takes energy and focus away from actually growing the business. So you have to be prepared for taking care of your family before you jump into a franchise, don't you? Yep, entirely. In addition to that, the if you're going to go into a franchise – the number one thing you can do to increase your odds of success is stick to the recipe as close yeah. as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Every time a franchise owner deviates from the recipe, they are costing themselves money or opportunity in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. You That's bought exactly a recipe, right. use yeah. it. I, yeah. I like to use you know, the box cakes, you know, the you know, Betty Crocker or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I, I tell people, if you, if you want your cake to look like the one in the box, don't mess with the recipe. And if you do, don't come crying to me. I told you to follow the recipe. Yeah, yeah, so true. That is so true. I love your analogies there. So the last question here, Kelsey, <laughs> is I know that you hadn't been in franchising prior to this, but you've been in it long enough to have an, uh, an idea of what does the future of franchising look like? Ah, you know, I don't know. I, I know in some regard it's under attack. There's all kinds of laws in California that are trying to turn franchising into an employee-employer relationship. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think it's in a good, healthy place. I, to be honest, 
I am not degraded. Like I live in my little bubble, and I like my little bubble. So I'm not in. I'm not a, a well-versed person on this. I like the franchising model because it gives a recipe, and I do worry a bit because our society is kind of turning into I will do what I want whenever I want, no matter who you are or what you say, and that doesn't bode well for franchising. We need people who appreciate systems and processes and following recipes. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I, I think it's a healthy industry. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, so, I, again, I'd love to give you like some articulate answer about the future. I, I know we're having a blast. We're growing like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like the, the industry is good and healthy, but we need we need people who appreciate the work that's been done before them versus uh, somebody who wants to always create their own path. Yeah, if, if franchising is going to continue to thrive. Yeah, most definitely, absolutely. Well, Chelsea, one more time, if someone is listening and they want more information about Bloom and Blind, where would they go to find that? Again, website is probably the best, bloomandblinds.com. Uh, if you search blind repair near me, you'll probably find this anyways. Mm -hmm. um, but um, that's probably the best way. Um, they're welcome to call my cell phone. I can give that out. It's 214-995-1062. Um, and then they get me on the phone. So there's okay. your self-discovery is going to be best served through the through the website, though. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Kelsey, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy day to spend with us and sharing with us the uh, Bloom and Blind story. I really look forward to staying in touch and watching you guys continue to grow. Thanks, Linda. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. So, folks, you know, it is all about just finding that that works for you, finding what fits in uh, to help make your goals happen. So as always, I'm going to leave you with this quote. It's by F. Scott Fitzgerald. The quote goes like this. It's never too late to become who you want to be. I hope you live a life you're proud of. And if you find that you're not, I hope you have the strength to start over. And that's where Bloomin' Blinds fills in that gap. If you find, like myself, at the end of 30 years in corporate banking, that you just are not happy, not fulfilled, it's never too late to start over and consider Bloomin' Blinds. Thanks so much, folks, for joining me on All Things Franchising, and we'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.